You could stand at half cut and rep better than these guys. Oh, back with another episode of from the rafters sam and i are here recording on a friday afternoon and we have guest josue pavone with us today how you doing man i'm good i'm good fellas i'm sorry to uh, mix things up here I, I don't know i guess you guys don't usually record around this time right no 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 we, we usually are all day fridays to be honest we both don't do anything we were just trying to make sure you were good <laughs> all right we know there's a game today you guys got stuff to do yeah and speaking of the game today uh, as Sam deemed them, the COVID Celtics are kind of in the waters uh, right now. What do you think is going to go on? Obviously, Robert Williams came down with COVID. Grant Williams and Tristan Thompson out because of contact tracing. Uh, how do you think the lineup's going to look tonight, uh, Josue? Oh, it's going to be tough, fellas. This is going to be a really hard one because that, that five position, you know, everyone's made a big uh, deal or a, a lot of the talk around this first nine, 10 games has been about that the, the, the big lineup, you know, the two bigs in, in Brad Stevens' lineup. And everyone's like, oh, it's inevitable that Brad's going to change it. But he's sticking with it. And then now it's he's he's forced to, to, to change things. I mean, unless he puts Taco in there. So it definitely does put a huge wrench into what, they were been, what they've been doing, especially someone like Tristan Thompson, who means so much to them uh, defensively. Uh, the front court's defensive anchor, the front court's Marcus Smart, whatever you want to call him. That's what he is, and that's how important he is. To this team you know I, I thought that the last couple of games uh, or the last couple of weeks have been a tough adjustment for him but the last couple of games he's been showing me more and more why he's going to be so valuable for this team and it's only going to get better so this to, to put a stop to that is oh man I mean conveniently if you're looking at the schedule and the grand scheme of things okay you're playing the magic a couple times you got a bulls game in there yeah you play the miami heat another another time um but, yeah, the next couple of weeks, you can sort of see what you got and, and, and try to put together some wins. You know, it's not a, a really, really daunting task, but it just really pushes the it, – it's, it's, set, it's a setback, you know, at the end of the day. It's a setback, and this team can't afford a, a whole lot of setbacks this year. And especially when we're talking about uh, the, the Celtics front court and, and those two bigs in particular, and uh, Robert Williams and um, – and, and Tristan Thompson and, and Grant Williams, man, Grant Williams to me, I thought all overall, he probably had his best game of the season uh, a couple of nights ago. And now yeah, he has agreed. to wait a couple of, now he has to wait a couple of weeks. It's, it's tough, man. It's a, it's a huge blow. Especially like, like you said, considering everything they've been doing this season, obviously Thompson and Tice in the starting lineup. And then uh, Robert Williams and Grant Williams off the bench. Those are three, like, every night rotation guys that the Celtics the Williams, are going the to The Williams lose. brothers, I call them. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's big. It's big. You know, and, and it's it's tough because now Brad Stevens has to do something that he never planned on doing all season long, mm-hmm. right? You know, instead of, <laughs> instead of tweaking with lineup and, and seeing what mixes and matches and, and what sticks and what works best, he has to do something that's sort of, you know, just – annoying at this point you know it's not it's not gonna help him in the long run but the, the one player I, I'm I'm curious to see what he's able to do and hopefully he's healthy I don't know if he's gonna be available for tonight's game but um you know moving forward throughout the next couple of weeks now that these guys are going to be sitting out is Javante Green and, and and I think um 
it's not just because Brad Stevens started him those first couple of preseason games where he sort of led us to believe that maybe Javante would make a, a significant leap, at least until Kemba comes back, right, and, and to his rotation. And then he went out. And, and I think he's, he's interesting because, one, he can guard multiple positions or at least a couple of positions, the wing position. He's athletic enough to, to keep up with guys. You know, uh, when that three-pointer is, is, is falling, is, you know, it's not pretty, but when it's falling, he's, he's pretty valuable. You know, or he can at least eat up, you know, some minutes for Brad. But you're not going to, you know, trying to find consistency in that is going to be tough. But now he's going to be sort of, uh, you know, forced into it. If he's if he's healthy enough, I would assume so, and that 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 should, that could be interesting to see what he's able to provide. No, yeah, and Javante Green, like you said, played those two preseason games, and I've stressed this all season long and in the preseason. The Celtics really don't have that much depth at the wing after just last year being like praised for how good they were at the wing. Like mm-hmm. obviously, you have the Jays, Tatum, and Brown have been amazing this season, but after that, like. Semi Ojale, who's I would argue power forward more than wing, and then Aaron Neesmith hasn't really played. Romeo Langford's obviously hurt, so Javante really is that only real backup wing that Brad has shown an interest in playing it all. So, with that being said, do you think now with this big man being lineup being depleted, and you know we might see more Semi Ojale at the four or the five, even is Javante Green going to be trusted to play those minutes, and how well do you think he will perform? I think he can definitely give you some valuable minutes off the bench. Um, if I'm, if I'm, if I have to assume here, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking Shemi's in the, in the starting five now. Um, and again, what he's able to do defensively and on the open court, I think is why you have uh, some. You have to have some bit of optimism here. I mean, because yeah, you know, a lot of these guys they haven't been in the league a, a whole lot, but you know, Javante is someone that's that's shown signs that he's he's got he he has things down to to what Brad Stevens wants. Brad Stevens' system and. And um, this is his chance to prove it. But again, health has just been this is this isn't his first setback, you know. So um, but, you know, in, tra- in transition and especially, you know, defensively, I think that's been something the Celtics have sort of needed to to improve on, you know. And um, they're showing flashes of that or at least against the Miami Heat. And, and to go against that team again, this shorthand is going to be tough. But, you know, to answer your question, I, I do. I, I think he could give you some valuable minutes off the bench. Again, the opponents that they're that they're going to face is, is uh, a big part of that. You know, the, the Chicago Bulls, you know. Um, the, the Orlando Magic, though, I mean, now that's even a tough, that's, that's a, more of a daunting task now, you know, when you lose so much size up front. And, um, you know, I would, I would bet that Javante would, would, would uh, impress people more than, than most Celtics fans uh, would think going into this game. No, yeah, I agree. Sorry, I was, I was writing my thoughts down. Um, Sam, what do you think about Javante? Are, are you thinking he's going to see some more playing time? Do you like Javante or do you, would you prefer more like, you well, know, Shemi minutes giving Neesmith some? Well, Shemi has played great, hasn't he? He's been so, so much better than we expected. And it's been really big for the Celtics, to be honest. He hit three big threes in the, um, was it Toronto or was it Detroit? Or was it even Miami? I don't know. There was one game. No, the uh, Detroit, I think it was the Detroit game. Yeah, he hit those three threes. Yeah, yeah, right off the bench. Yeah, he, he has been confident. He's made some big shots and he's obviously a good defender. And now having him on the floor is not a handicap. He is someone that when either of the Jays drive, you can kick out to. And, you know, if he takes it, no one's cringing. Okay. It's, it's a good shot now. And that's what you want from him. As far as Javante goes, uh, I don't know if there's really space for him in the rotation. Maybe there is. Cause let's see, you've got Pritchard coming off the bench. You've got Teague who might be out. Who else comes off the bench at guard? Am I, Teague is out. 
Pritch, that's, Carson that's, Edwards, that's, man. That's, that's really it. To the bench. Yeah. yeah, that's really it. Maybe, maybe he comes off the bench then. Neesmith, maybe. Even though, what, what do you think of Neesmith, Joe Sway? Because it's tough to gauge how he's going to be. I mean, he's struggled to make his shots, but his, his form looks fine. Yeah, I mean, it's an incomplete at this point. And, and the, I think because we haven't seen him in, in, in instances where, where Brad could have turned to him, it just tells how unready he is. But that that doesn't mean it's going to be a season-long thing. I mean, because of this situation, yeah, of course, I, I, I'm expecting to see him. But I don't know if maybe the tail end of these two weeks or maybe a couple of games into it, if he can, you know, uh, give you that spark against a team like the Bulls. Yeah, you know, that's something that we could look forward to. But, um, yeah, I, I just think he's just still trying to find his footing. And a lot of that has to do with his injury, you know. Right. No, yeah. I mean, he's looked just off at times, I feel like, like missing some defensive rotations, you know, looking like he's hesitating on the three-point shot when obviously we know he was a, a lethal shooter at Vanderbilt. So it's weird to see that they took him so early. And I've seen people on Twitter, at least, because, you know, Twitter people are obviously the smartest uh, NBA GMs there is. So, <laughs> the you know, Yeah, of course, of course. Like Desmond Bain, obviously the Celtics passed on. We saw Sadiq Bay torch the Celtics in that Pistons. Uh, so. Don't remind me. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's not a great look. Do you think Neesmith could turn out to be fine in the long run, or do you think it's actually uh, you know a draft slip up that uh, Ainge passed on guys like that? I think in the long run, yeah, because I mean, yeah, it, he's a shooter, and that's what the Celtics need, and, and that's the reason, uh, a big reason why he was on their board. But I mean, if you look at his athleticism and uh, his body, I, I mean, I just think defensively, he's just destined to be a, a good defender. I just think guys like that typically pan out, and and one of the prime examples I thought going into his first year was was Jalen Brown, you know, even before he was selected, I was like, man, this guy has Celtics or at least Brad Stevens written all over him. I mean, that's the, those are the kind of players that he loves, you know, Brad falls in love with those type of guys because he knows that when push comes to shove at the end of the day, they're going to give you something on the defensive end. And that's, what's going to, you know, catapult this team or, or at least a Brad Stevens led team to, to succeed. You know, they have to be one of the top teams on defense. And I think until he's able to show signs of that, that he's able to, you know, that, that Brad can rely on him on that end. I don't, I'm not necessarily sure, you know, we're going to see him right away. Brad doesn't need to be convinced about his offense. He knows how good of a shooter he is. You know, it's, it's that the defense is what's going to uh, get him on the floor and, and keep him there. And, you know, um, so far from what I've seen, he's, he's checked all the boxes and, and it, there's, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing concerning, I would say, uh, at least up until this point. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it, it's tough, especially when Sadiq Bay plays the Celtics. So it, it's that was a- my guy before the draft, man. I was yeah. like, man, I would love to, to, to draft this guy. Mm-hmm. But Nisman yeah. is not bad, you know. Uh, again, we have to wait. You know, that was my first choice, but you know, I, I'm not ready to say, you know, aha, I told you so yet. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I liked Bay, and uh, I like Desmond Bain too. He looks solid to me, but he's you know, been great this year for those guys, huh? Man, yeah, Celtics <laughs> exactly. traded him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they did trade yeah. Him. That's um, right. Just like they traded Tybo last year, who, you know, looks solid for Philly. But um, speaking of rookies, uh, Josue, are, are you on the fast PP hype? Are, are you on the train? Like, what's your thoughts on Peyton Pritchard? First of all, what's your preferred nickname yeah, we'll for go with Peyton that. Pritchard? <laughs> oh, man, this one. You're getting this question. Yo, I, I love <laughs> I love the Boston uh, the Boston Pea Party. I, I think it's just funny, man. It's hilarious. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't heard, heard that. that one yet. Yeah, I haven't. But I like that. Yeah. 
so that's our uh that's the one we picked we had uh people guessing or at least giving us their best ones and and that's the one that stuck for our post game show on CLNS media and it's been an ongoing joke for the last couple of uh last couple of nights or last couple of games but yeah man i like that one um that one and then the one that the, the one that was really popular uh, right at the beginning was 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 uh, p rabbit i like p rabbit i like p rabbit a little bit um but yeah that's that's those those two those two have stuck out the most to me um, but yeah, I, I'm on the hype train, but I'm not like, you know, ready to retire the man's Jersey yet. You know, I, I'm not pushing for an all-star selection or uh rookie of the year, but you know, to, to, you know, piggyback on my point about, uh, defense and setting the tone, man, like, I can't think of a better player up to this point who the Celtics have that, that checks in and does that like immediately, you know, I was blown away by that, the Miami heat game where, um, you know, he's able to come in. And 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 right away he makes his presence felt by by sinking the three, but then on on defense, he, you know whether it's those you know he, he's he's picking the opposing point guard you know crossing the passing lanes, um, his knack and his IQ his his knack and his uh, you know his knack for uh, creating stops I think is almost contagious now and, and and it's it's crazy to think that a rookie can command that much, but when you look at the way Brad Stevens' approach has been and a lot of the guys on this team. You know, yeah, there's Grant Williams and, and there's guys that have two years, two or three years under their belt. But given what's happened the past year and, and that bubble trip, I, I think these guys matured, you know, drastically compared to most first year guys or first and second year guys. And I think it shows. And I think when you see someone like Pritchard come in with that sort of attitude and, and command so much, uh, you know, the way he's able to control the offense from as a facilitator, and find players and just kind of, kind of calm the, you know, calm the storm when he checks in, I think speaks volumes to one, uh, everything that was said about him beforehand. Right. I mean, so many of the raving, the rave reviews from uh, uh, college experts uh, from what the Celtics said, you know, and everything came into fruition, but also I think what makes Pritchard such a special player for the Celtics team is that he's only going to get better. And that, you know, the, the amount of reps that, all these rookies that have to, you know, no summer league, no full preseason, no full training camp, and to be thrusted in, I mean, he can only build on that. Yeah, the rookie wall, uh, sure, that's going to happen at some point. I, I don't know if this guy's going to keep going, you know, you know, over the top between now and the end of the season. But what Celtics do have is someone that they can rely on all season long, someone that can come in and, and uh, you know, calm things down and take control of the offense, whether it's, you know, for Kemba or whether it's for Marcus Smart. You know, this team has to figure out its identity without Kemba. It can't rely on Kemba and then start thinking, okay, what kind of team are we going to be now? No, they have to start doing that now. And yeah, this the setback with the with the bigs, it's a huge blow, but I mean, when it comes to Brad Stevens' teams, when, when they face adversity, that's when they shine best. So, and I know that's so cliche to say, but this team, you know, a lot of the guys returning from last year, I think that's a, there's a lot to say about that. And someone when a rookie like Pritchard comes in and, and, and is able to blow guys away the way the way he's been doing it, the way he's been raising eyebrows, I think that that only adds to the continuity and, and to that sort of uh, camaraderie between the guys. And you're already seeing it, you know, on the court, off the court, Evan Turner. You know, I, I think that hiring was, was also had a lot to do with that because, you know, what happened in the bubble and whether it was friction or whatever conflict. I mean, they need an assistant coach like that, a, a, an NBA player, a former guy who knows Brad's system and is able to just blend in with those guys. So I think all of that, there's a lot to it. You know, the chemistry of these guys on and off the court and a rookie being able to adapt the way he, you know, the way he did is only going to make them better. Oh, yeah. And not to mention Jalen Brown and Tristan Thompson just 
making amazing memes for all of Celtics Twitter. Those videos were spectacular. <laughs> oh my god! Like the, the fact that he, the fact Keep that he had humble. Exactly. <laughs> Keep him humble. I love it. Uh, and the best part is Pritchard's such a quiet dude. Like you can tell, he's just like, yeah. It's fine. I, I know, but you know what I love though. After he hit the the the, the tip, you know, the game winning yeah. shot. You know, I know. Again, after you know everything I just said, there's a reason why he's in at the end of the game, right? There's a reason why Brad Stevens, you know, two nights ago or the game before that, he played it for the entire fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. He's like, I don't know if I trust this lead without you, so I'm going to keep you in here to to close this one out. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, after he hits the tip in the game winner, he goes back to he's looking like a little kid, man. They're yeah, all t- yeah. You know, they're all jumping on him and everything. And he's just like he can't even contain himself, but he's trying to, and it's it's great, man. It, it really is. Someone like that, it's a special story because yeah, it's a underdog, it's a, a late first round pick. But it's also someone who spent a lot of years in college, you know? So I, I think he speaks volumes for guys who are in a similar uh, situation or are, are walking on a similar path thinking, you know what? You know, this is worth it. Yeah, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but maybe this extra year of college is going to be the difference between me sticking around in the NBA and, and you know, compared to, you know, playing overseas, you know, after your first rookie contract. Because that, that happens a lot. It's, it's continuing to happen uh, with a lot of NBA players the last, you know, five years or so. Yeah, I feel There's like guys are things. That, sorry, Jack. No, you're good. When, Go ahead. When you were that. talking about Pritchard, you talked about a few things that I want to talk about. Um, you talked about. We'll start with Evan Turner because that was the last thing you talked about. How much do you think Evan Turner has had an impact on? He is there for quote unquote player development. You've seen guys like Robert Williams and Semi take bigger jumps this year. They've been excellent, and uh, the Robert Williams jump has been coming for a while. But do you think right. Turner's had any kind of impact on those guys' performances? Um, I mean, not necessarily. I, I think, I think Turner has been great for, um, you know, just for someone to can, that can motivate. I mean, not, not maybe, maybe not just for in-game situations, but I think he's more of someone that can really help, um, the younger guys, you know, uh, guys who are in similar situations than, than him, or, or maybe not so similar, but you know, if you guys, if you guys don't remember, I mean, Turner was a, what, number two overall pick. Yeah. Top Philly. Pick. Yeah, you know, I went to Philly. It was a tough situation. You know, there's not a whole lot of patience over there. This is this is way before the whole process thing, right? You know, they didn't they had to learn patience, right? So this was <laughs> this this wasn't you know they were expecting a lot out of him, and he struggled. And you know, he went to Indiana, and he found a home in Boston after Indiana. You know, that was the turning point of his career. That's what essentially got him paid, right? <laughs> he got that right. fifty million dollars. He got a huge contract. Yeah, and he, everyone was like, "Damn, it's tough to see him go," but like, congrats, man! Like, go yeah. make your money. Like, go make the, yeah, sign that right away because you know, <laughs> I, I get it. At that time, a lot of people were getting a whole lot of you know the, the new NBA TV deal just landed. So, but that was huge for him, and, and it was a testament to yeah, you know, maybe it was a bit overpaid, but I think it was a testament to to what he did with the Celtics and and. uh on the national stage, everyone saw that. So the ups and downs, the the the, the grind of the NBA season, um, the emotional toll it takes on young NBA players. I think a lot of what Evan's role is is to help with that. Yeah, you know, on the court stuff is also key. You know, I, I think he plays a part in that as well. But I think um, emotionally, he he can help these guys a lot. So maybe maybe someone like Robert Williams is a good example. Um, I don't know if the level of pressure is the same in terms of like, you know, what they both went through, but those first two, three years in the NBA questioning yourself, maybe a bit, you know, man, am I going to crack the rotation? Maybe this isn't the right play. You know, not to say that Robert Williams think about leaving the Celtics, but I think that those are thoughts that are common. And I think someone like 
Evan Turner, you know, um, along with, of course, film and evidence can sort of help weave through those sort of thoughts and those up and downs. And, and I think he's, uh, he's, he's played a role in that for sure this year with this team. Yeah, that, that for sure, you know, I'm so happy to see those guys be playing better because this team is not a team that had a ton of cap space to work with. As we know, after Hayward left, that was the whole thing. So having guys that are already on the team step up and be better is huge. And the second thing that you talked about was the Celtics play best when like their backs are against, or what did you say? You said, uh, like they rise to the occasion. Oh, when they face, yeah, uh, when they face when they face adversity. Right. So, so my take has forever been, and Jack can attest to this. He probably knows what I'm about to say. The I know Celtics, say. the Celtics <laughs> do this thing under Brad Stevens where they play to their competition. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. That's why they lost last week to Detroit, and honestly, I, that's why I feel they lost in the conference finals as well. But I mean, isn't that isn't that weird? Do you do you have any idea what what leads into that? Is that Brad's fault? Do you think? Do you think that's the young players like taking it easy because they see a bad record? Um, a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I think is the the fact that you know you don't have a whole lot of experienced guys. You know, of course, last year a lot was made about uh, the average. You know, when you average everyone's age, it was by far the youngest in the NBA. You know, so I mean, yeah, it's a little bit to that. Obviously, uh, they're not your average second, third year guys. You know, a lot was made about Jason and Jalen, what they went through going to a pair of Eastern Conference Finals, you know, their first three years in the league. You know, that that makes a difference for sure. But, I mean, I would say, honestly, when it comes to the Celtics, like, the, the youth and Brad, I, I just think every night-to-night situation is it's a bit different. And maybe it's because of his health or, or maybe it's because of, you know, yeah, they don't always they, – they go through they go through injuries. But a lot of it, I think, is it's just uh, on the defensive end sometimes, you know. And, and last year was so different compared to this year, where I just felt like um, they were a little they're a little more conditioned this year offensively, you know. Yeah, they come up short and they don't look great at times, but you know it was really ugly last year. And I felt like sometimes, you know, there were times throughout the season where it was like if, if Kemba was out or, or one of the star players was out or Hayward wasn't available, it was like you started seeing this sloppy brand of basketball. And sometimes that could rear its ugly head, but then they would rise to the occasion when they play a team like the, the Los Angeles Clippers. But, you know, when you look at this year, and it's a small sample size, it's only nine games, I, I think for the most part they sort of improved in that. The Miami Heat are a way better team than I think that they were, you know, a year ago, calendar year ago. So, right. granted, you should never give up Seven points in that last final, what thirty? Oh my last goodness! Minute. It was ten. They gave, they they let them tie oh, the 10, game. Excuse me. Yeah, right. They tied the game. You know, in what what thirty? I think the seconds, Celtics are seconds. taking years off my life. I really do. <laughs> I mean, uh, you. I but they're getting better. They're getting better at it. I mean, like those shooters. You know, that's nervous. just that's just a special. That, that's a special <laughs> team. But yeah, oh I'm with my you though. God, I'm ten I'm with a minute and fifteen to play. <laughs> it's 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 tough do you think that is a lot of brad stevens obviously like celtics fans are huge on you know always expecting the best so the highs are high and the lows are very very dark and low but um uh, do you think like we've seen questions like brad not calling timeout soon enough the rotations obviously like almost everybody outside of taco has gotten real minutes at a game this year and that could be because of the short offseason then we've seen a bunch of isolation plays at the end of games how much of that do you think is brad stevens Oh, well, it's definitely Brad. I mean, the, the beginning, I thought that they he was being – he almost wanted the, these guys to figure things out on, on their own. And I think you, you saw a vast difference this past week where uh, he's actually calling plays, you know, in crucial situations where it was like 
that used to be your thing. You know, you used to be the guy out of a timeout would come up with these plays that no one could, you know, ever anticipate. And I think he's starting to get back to that. Uh, I just think a lot of it has to do with, I think Brad tends to lean on guys maturing and, and making their mistakes and learning from those mistakes. And, and I think sometimes that can help you. That can certainly help you in the long run, but in the short term, like it just, it can be concerning when you see it and you, you wonder how much, you remember last year's playoffs and people were thinking, man, maybe Brad lost control of this team. And yeah. I just don't think that's the case. I just think Brad just lets his guys do a little more than other coaches would, would let, but it comes back always to the defense. It's like, if you're not going to play well defensively, he'll pull you. Whereas, you know, other coaches, they won't necessarily give someone, you know, the green light to, to, to shoot threes the way Brad does, but that's just always been his philosophy. Yeah. I don't, I don't like those Brad lost control takes. I I don't even know if the, the loss last year was his fault. I don't know. There's a lot no, of blame. No, I don't, around. I don't think so, man. I just think that they just ran into a tough Miami heat team. I mean, yeah. shit, let's face it guys. If, you know, that game one, if Bam out of bio doesn't get that block up there, who knows? Maybe the Celtics win that series. You know, I just think with a series like that, with two teams so evenly matched the way they were, it was just a coin flip. And it just came down to a game seven where Bam got, you know, found his groove and, and took advantage, you know? So yeah, unlucky. And, and I think Tristan Thompson could definitely help with that too, like with the big man thing. Oh, Robert sure. Williams too. Yeah. So. So I'm not I'm not saying the Celtics are necessarily going to be in that exact same situation this year. All right, but, let's let's talk about the yeah. big men for a second, Jack. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to keep hijacking. No, no, yeah, go ahead. But, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna, anyways, let's talk about Tice. Okay, so I've been kind of saying this a lot because I feel like they brought in Thompson for a reason. And if Robert Williams continues to play like this, how realistic of an option is Tice to be a trade like piece? What do you think that the chances yeah, of that are? You know, what do you think he would be? getting in return yeah that's the thing man. i don't know if he has a whole lot of value um i that certainly crossed my mind I, I just don't i'm not i'm not sure yet where his value is and i don't know if the celtics would be in their best interest i mean maybe by the trade deadline that changes you know um maybe it does but you know right now this is this is his you know he's gonna get all the minutes he can he can he can handle right so maybe that's certainly an option but I just think right now, today, it's just I don't know if he has a whole lot of value. Um, he was exposed against the Miami Heat. Let's face it, you know, the, the NBA playoff, that's where you uh, you get to really uh, show showcase your skill sets. And um, the first couple of series, I, I thought he looked – I just think he was exposed. I, I think he uh, – it, it hurt him in the long run in the sense of where he stood amongst the, the top NBA bigs, which isn't, you know – way outside of you know like top 30 or whatever but <laughs> i mean I, I just think when you couple his age injury history um yeah he has you know he's only been in the league for a couple of years but he well, was he 26 when he came, came over you know so um but again a hot streak you know a, a hot three-week span who knows you put your value up to a, a place where it's never been before and, you know, you dangle it or over, you know, teams that are looking for a big or looking to replace one. And, hey, you know, Daniel Tice, the numbers don't don't blow you away sometimes. But on the floor, I mean, he can be someone a good that, player. that can give a, a team a front court, you know, someone that can set hard screens and, and hard, play hard for you, you know. So, yeah, he's yeah. a good player. Yeah, Something I'm, I, I'm a fan of Tice. I just yeah. feel like he might be the odd man out. I just, think in the long yes. run, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think I think in the long run, yeah. Uh, the way this team is playing right now, 
But um, do you have a problem with him shooting these threes? Got, these guys got to stay healthy. Complaining about that? No, I don't. I, I, I don't I've gotten into it. I got into it. I think it's important. This. Yeah, I got into it. People, I'm like, man, what, like, are you? Are we still having this conversation? Centers shoot threes now. Okay, it's been like ten years. You know, like or <laughs> or more. I mean, I, I would say there's been at least ten years where we all saw where the game was progressing at least, right? And now it's like, yeah, well, I don't like the way it looks. Well, look at his numbers, you know, look at look at the improvements he's made, you know. Um, I don't think it's something that, you know, I don't want to see him do an ISO play and jacking up threes, but when that <laughs> when that shot is yeah, open, an ISO in crunch time the other day, he had a Euro step that missed. <laughs> yeah, I think that, that was, was during that like ten point swing in the last minute. <laughs> yeah, that was a mess. But yeah, you don't want that. But I, I, I just I don't I don't see why people say that because he's improving in that aspect and teams are going to encourage that. So no, I think that's going to help him. And I think you're going to see, and you know, for fans who don't, don't want to see it, you can start cringing. Now you're going to see more of that in the next couple of weeks. So get ready for that. <laughs> I hope he does. And I think he's yeah. a decent shooter. I think he's actually a better shooter than his numbers would say for some reason. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to go in when he shoots. I mean, he gets a lot of open looks. That's the thing. And yeah. you have to take him. I mean, the, the was it Philadelphia where they were daring him to shoot in the playoffs last year? And he was hesitant, which yep. was crazy to me because he'd been shooting before that. Right. I, don't know. I think it's right. important for him to shoot. Stretches the floor for the Jays and lets them go to work. Yeah, I agree, man. That's why someone like Grant Williams, you know, could, could make a difference, you know, if he gets that shot down, man. And semi. I mean, baby, baby, I, baby Draymond. I've been trying to, I've been trying to like have this come to fruition, man. I want baby Draymond, baby Draymond Green for the Celtics, man. That's, that's a scary lineup to face. <laughs> baby Draymond, Marcus Smart. Come on, give me more defense. Tristan Thompson, like and load him up, load him up. Well. Pritchard in the backcourt. Come on, like this is by design. The Celtics, they're envisioning a defensive juggernaut, but it just, it just hasn't come to, it just hasn't happened yet, you know. Yeah, and I feel like it it could very well because what's wild to think about, right? This is Tatum's fourth year, Brown's fifth year, but they're still what twenty two and twenty four. You <laughs> added twenty two year old Pritchard, what twenty two year old Grant, right? Is he twenty two, twenty three, twenty one? Twenty like, twenty two. He just turned yeah. twenty one last year. Yeah, young. Like this team, everyone's getting on Brad. Like, oh, this team hasn't done well. Like, blah blah blah. They haven't made the finals. Brad Stevens has led three completely differently constructed rosters to three Eastern Conference Finals in four years. Like, people are getting on Brad about that. And on top of that, the main pieces of these la- of the last two Eastern Conference teams were a rookie Jason Tatum, and now uh, what third year Jason Tatum and fourth year Jalen Brown last year, and now you see this this year. Like, it's not all about right now like there's still a future to be had and that's why i I don't know your thoughts on the james harden thing i thought that was terrible that jalen brown is being thrown into that idea yeah no no thanks no but see you later realistically speaking down the line (laughs) see you later (laughs) down the line say like the next like five years or so do you think the starting five for that you know finals roster all the pieces are on the team already like could we see like you know Pritch, Grant Williams, Robert Williams thrown in with the Jays, and that could be a good team, like a deep playoff team. Or do you think the Celtics need more to get to that level with the Jays? And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Uh, I think they need more, man. I think they need more. Um, honestly, I, I don't. I don't see Kemba in that picture. Um, so yeah, who's I that agree. third guy? Yeah. Uh, is Pritch your starting point guard? Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that's a realistic thing. I, I don't know if he's going to be, uh, you know 
perennial all-star point guard. I, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if he's quite there yet, but hey, you don't necessarily hey, need that. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly. what I'm going to say. Hey, yeah. this team doesn't necessarily need that. If you have a an experienced Pritchard at the point guard position for years to come, I mean, that could be a really special thing here. Not just, you know, for the Celtics, but in this city to see this kid rise from, you know, from day one would be special. But no, um, yeah, I, I just think, could those guys all be in Brad Stevens' rotation? Absolutely, for sure. Maybe, you know, depending on whether uh, they have to move one of these guys or they lose one of these guys in free agency. But, you know, I think they're part of the picture, you know, the overall big picture for sure. Um, this next couple of years is going to be so interesting. And and I thought when, when, when Danny said this year we're going to well, – no, I think it was Danny or, or Brad, I forget one of them. He said this year we're going to learn what we need to know about Kemba. And I think what he meant by that was – do you need surgery? You know, okay, you don't need surgery. All right, well, then this is it, right? This might be this two years. We, we're going to squeeze the most, the best Kemba basketball we can. And that could be it, guys. You know, so just move on. And whether it's Pritchard, just the, the next starting point guard, whatever, the, whoever's playing there, this, I still think Brad Stevens or Danny Ace and something's going to say, okay, who's the third guy? You know, uh, and it's not just about, okay, you know, we need a big three. We need a big three. I just think that's the way Danny just sort of envisioned things. And since he's did it, since he's done it once, he wants to do it again, you know. And mm-hmm. whether that third guy is, you know, someone that's a top 10 player, I, I, I would I would really be surprised if he reels in the third, you know, a top 10 player to put with these with these two guys. I mean, he has I think two that could be emerging exactly. into that. Exactly. Right in front of He them. sees that side of it as, you know, whereas before it's like, all right, I, I got Paul, but I need a top 10 guy. Oh, KG, perfect. You know, and it's like, yeah, no, this time exactly. it's like, no, my, the guys I have aren't there yet, but they're going to be there, or at least one of them's going to be there for sure. I need the other guy. I need a top 25 guy. I need a the Ray Allen, so to speak here. Even, even Kemba could fit into that. I mean, we, we're talking about moving on. He's going to have to the next couple of years, you know, look, <laughs> this look year right and now, next, he's going to have to. I mean, look how well the Jays are playing right now. I mean, if mm-hmm. he comes back, he only th- makes things easier for them. If you see That's... Bubble Kemba, I will be thrilled. You know, I'll be thrilled. <laughs> exactly. Honestly. I agree. You take agree. that. You take that. Okay, yeah, he's not shooting over 40%, you know, from three. Uh, you know, what is it, 42 from the floor? Yeah, but he's still a threat. He's still a three-point threat. He's still mm-hmm. a threat at the rim. You know, he's still going to make opposing defenses collapse. Exactly. That changes everything for these guys, for the Jays, you know? No, yeah. Is that, is that a thing that, by the way, we're we going back to that? Because that was like, you know, <laughs> Tatum's for, uh, rookie year, that was the thing. But then I felt like it died away. But now it's back, Jays. right? The Jays. They're the just Jays. playing Jays. so well. It's just an easy I know. way, I feel like. I like uh, it. But, but no, yeah, Kemba, people forget. I know Sam always says this. People forget. Kemba started in the All-Star game last year. And the best part is you don't need him to play at that level anymore. Like, right. people forget that he's had this knee surgery. He's had problems with his knees for years. This isn't a new thing. Like he had these problems in his career back to the Charlotte Bobcats days. So he's had these problems with his knees. Kemba played really well last year, but with the jump that Tatum and especially Jalen Brown took this year, there is no need for Kemba to play at that level. It'd be nice. Like it'd be great, but I don't expect him to do that. And I don't, we don't need him to do that. It also makes it easier for them to close games because Kemba even though he struggled in the playoffs as much as like we saw it, he was, he made big shots against Philly. He made big shots against Toronto. Right. He can still be that guy to make those shots. And now Tatum's learning to do it too. And I mean, I always have confidence in Brown. I don't know why every time he shoots, I think it's going in, especially right now, but even before I feel like he's, he's a tough mental guy as well. So I think he's got the clutch gene. You've got three guys potentially that can be game winning 
shots. And then you can use them as decoys if you want. I mean, it's just easier to get looks down the right. stretch if you've got Kemba. And what I love so much about last season was fourth quarter Kemba. I mean, that was just special to watch. There were some times where, like, it was just like, okay, oh, wait, I'm just going to flip the switch real quick and drop 12 points in this last, you know, 10 minutes. <laughs> like, like, when Kemba does stuff like that, or, or was, maybe it was just more second-half Kemba, right? Because there were so many games where it was like, I don't know, he'd go like two for five, one for three, and then right after halftime, oh, okay, I got it, guys. Boom, I'm going to take over. And then th- that's where the 20 points would come from, you know? You know and, and that was – that alleviated so much pressure from those two guys – before they had to be those two guys that they are now, you know? So right now that's going to alleviate things to a, to a level where it's like, man, this guy comes in the fourth quarter and we're going to close out these teams. So there is no, you come back from 10 down the last minute, Miami heat. No, not this time. You know, it's like, that's why I think fourth quarter late game execution can struggle. The Southern struggle a lot with that. And yeah, of course they did it last season with Kemba, but it's just much harder when, you don't have an all-star point guard at the helm, man. Like, I, I think Celtics fans and people – and look, the Celtics sort of, you know, they sort of uh, proved me wrong in a, in a way, at least early on. But I, I just thought people overlooked how fortunate Brad Stevens was to go into every single season, essentially, the last two, three years, the last three, four years with an all-star point guard. Isaiah Thomas, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, uh, Kemba Walker. You know, all three different guys, all three different personalities. But, man, they were offensive weapons, man. Offensive weapons, like top scoring point guards in the league. And they played for Brad Stevens year after year. No, yeah, it's great. Celtics fans are spoiled at this point with all-star point guards. Like I said, we're always spoiled. We're spoiled. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) man. Boston fans are spoiled in general. Oh, yeah. Oh, the most spoiled. No, Celtics fans can be the most spoiled because it's like, man. Kyrie, you know, that whole thing, if Kemba doesn't come in, I don't know. But then again, you can't, you can't tell them that because they'll, they'll tell you that you know, Terry Rozier would have been an all-star. So, I don't know. <laughs> I digress. Terry Rozier's been playing well this season, though. Yeah, he's good. He's good in Charlotte. He's, he's averaging good. like 22 points or something. You're the Hornets guy, yeah, Jack. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> Educate that's, yeah. us. See, that's what happens when you bring in Gordon Hayward. And he's just like, yo, not, not this shit again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I did this in Boston. No, no, no. I'm going to, I got to outscore this guy every single freaking night. And that's what he's oh, been man. doing, man. Is, and what cracks is. me up is that it doesn't materialize into wins half the time. But man, you got this dude dropping 40. Hayward drops 32. The next night, Hayward drops 28. Uh, Rosier drops 44. 30. And well, 44. Yeah. Like, oh, man. It just cracks me up. But I, I wish I could People see more. People were really of wrong about Hayward when he was here. The problem was not him. It was just his role. He, yeah. he could still play and we would see it. I mean, the last look we got, unfortunately, he was at like 20% against Miami, yeah. whatever the hell he's playing at. Missed yeah. the birth of his son to play for the Celtics. I mean, you got to respect the guy. I don't like people that talk bad about Hayward. I agree. Yeah. It, it's tough. He, he was just in a bad situation because, like, realistically. He's unlucky. Yeah. What do you think about it? He came yeah, to it's Boston. Just really, it's just really bad yeah. luck, man. Yeah. He, he came expecting to play as a big three as the second option with Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford and ended up playing with, like, you know, Kyrie and Al for a season, then having the Jays take over after he got hurt and having them be ahead of him. So it, it, it was just rough for him when he was here. But, um, Joshua, you talk a lot about third options, right? When Kemba comes back, he can be that. Do you have a problem with some of the decisions and shots Smart's been taking? Obviously, in that Heat game, uh, he got fouled, as the last two-minute report said, but he was taking a bunch of big shots at the end of the games. Do you, do you see oh, an issue okay. with Smart taking that shot? Uh, listen, man, I, I, got, I got a lot to say about that because Marcus Smart – uh, for what he did last season, yeah, in the in the bubble, 
did he try to take over games and do things too much? Yeah, absolutely. And I think he learned from that. But for people who are saying that they don't want to see him take open shots, it's like, come on, man, give the guy a break. There were games where he hit some big shots down the stretch and, of course, gave you those big stops on the other end. I think he's deserved. I think he's earned the right to take an open three. No, and then, and then I, I, I think, think what happened. Hold on, hold on real quick. Let me, just let me Go finish. Ahead, finish. What happened two nights ago? What happens? Right, he gets a wide open three. The game is pretty much done. He can seal it right there, and he hesitates. And he goes inside and he tries to get against Bam out of bio. Come on, man. Look, don't listen to um, this. Is me talking to Smart, right? <laughs> don't listen to these naysayers and all this stuff. Look, if you have an open three pointer and it's a two possession game and there's I don't know what thirty seconds, take the three. You know, and and now I think he's he's in his own head, and and I don't know if that's a, a good thing for the Celtics in the long run because. You know, I, I like the occasional Marcus three here and there. And, and I like the occasional, okay, Marcus is feeling it offensively because, I, you know, I just think that's just a bonus. And, you know, given what he gives to you on, on, on the defensive end. Marcus shooting 40% from three this year. And you know what? He's shooting in catch and shoot situations last season. He, he had a similar mark. And, and I think that's what people tend to uh, look over when they talk about Marcus Smart's shooting. Yeah, I, I have no problem with him shooting. And I feel – you know what's funny about Marcus? And you might have noticed this too. Anytime the shot clock is going to expire, I feel like he makes it at least 70% of the time. I feel like he knows in his head, like right. you're talking about him doubting himself, he knows he's got to take this three. So he's he's got no doubts, and he's just completely focused on putting the ball in the basket. I mean, just do me a favor. Next couple of weeks when you watch him play, if their shot clock is expiring, just, just pay attention. Just think about me if he drills a, <laughs> a right, shot clock right. three. Well, it used to drive me crazy when it would get down to like four or five last year. And then he's like, oh, wait, I got to dribble this thing through. It's like, no, Marcus, get rid of the ball, man. Or, or you know, or, or you know, <laughs> make a play. And he would start dribbling through players. And I'm just like, no, but not making his way towards the hoop, you know, like and that's what it used to drive me crazy. And, and you know. Now I feel like he's being much more careful with the ball because everyone's sort of – he's under a microscope now. And, and, I, and I think Pritchard has a little bit to do with it too. It's like, man, this guy's balling out. I, I got I to be efficient too. You know, I got to clean things up too. You know, I got to set the example and, you know, uh, be, be the guy that Bracken can rely on for the starting lineup. And if Pritchard comes in with us, then, you know, we're both going to close this game out. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I like them as a backcourt. Yeah, me too. That is it. a crazy defensive backcourt. Mm. Not in terms of, I mean, those guys are just pests. Look right. at them. When yeah. they were playing against Killian Hayes, they were giving him a headache. Oh, man. I, yeah, it's I'm not pumped. a whole lot of size, but yeah. I, I, <laughs> I just think those two guys together, and, and of course, the three point shooting helps, you know, both of those guys, and especially uh, Pritchard. Um, <laughs> Josue, are you more of a smart off the bench guy, or are you fine with him starting? Obviously, right now, because of Cam Lee. Good call. Yeah, good, but. Good, good conversation starter. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's a good topic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, when Kemba comes back, uh, but the weird. thing is that it's weird. weird because you don't have. It's, I just think Hayward's such a huge, you know, loss. Yeah. And yeah. So I mean, for now, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm starting him with or without Kemba. I, I'm putting him in that starting lineup. And again, I, I think, um, yeah, I love those guys together, him and Pritchard. Uh, maybe to end the games, but I, I just think when, when Pritchard checks in like that, I, I think Brad's going to rely on that to, for him to lead that second unit. Mm-hmm. And um, if you put him in the starting lineup, I, I just, I don't know if you get the same results when, when, when Swart checks in. I know it sounds weird, but I, I just think uh, you want to keep him 
you know, sort of uh, in that focus where it's like, okay, I'm the guy who comes in, makes a difference, and, and I have to make sure that these guys come with me, the Grants, the Ogilays, and the and the Robert Williams, you know, or, or, or Neesmith, if he eventually makes it, you know, like those guys, you know, he has to lead that group. I think that's really important. No, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think it necessarily matters either because I've seen a lot of things going around everywhere. Like it doesn't matter who's starting. It matters who finishes, and that's always been the thing. But I think starting lineup has just been – I think that a lot of people use as a baseline. Who do you think should be finishing a lot of the games for the Celtics? Sam, I'll get your thoughts on this too. Should it be like, uh, obviously you got the Jays. When Kemba comes back, Kemba, Smart, usually Pritchard, whatever. But I'm talking more center position. Who, who should be finishing games there? Does it depend on matchup or what, what are your thoughts? Uh, it depends on matchups, but definitely Tristan Thompson I put in there. Um, I just don't know if you can put him with Robert though, you know. Um, I like the ideas of some situations to keep Robert in there. Um but it's, it's it's back to the double big conversation, you know, is that the way you close the lineup? And, and I just think it's it's so matchup based that it's it's tough to say. But for for Tristan Thompson and uh, for Robert Williams, I mean, if you have a if you have a lead, I like those guys closing it, you know, and, and, I, and I think uh, Robert Williams, the more reps he gets, the more reliable he'll be. I just think Robert is the kind of guy who doesn't shy, doesn't shy away from the big moment. I, I think almost. Every moment on the floor is just he takes it. It's all the same to him, you know. And I think only it can only get better because um, some younger bigs they they uh, you put them in that tough spot and they they hesitate or they they think too much. And I, I haven't seen that hesitation from Robert yet. You know, I saw it in the preseason though, and I was like, man, what's all this talk? You know, he was talking about how experienced he feels and how uh, <laughs> someone like Al Horford had a profound influence on him that people don't know about. And then he just did like a 180, like a week or or a week or two after that. I'm like, oh, okay. So he was playing possum. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. I I I think um, this is like a cop out answer. I said this to you and Danny on within heckling distance, Jack. But I just think it's situational. Just whoever's playing the best that day is your guy at the end of the game. If I had to, if I had to take somebody for a like a season long answer, I would say Thompson just because he has the most experience. You know, he's played in the finals, won a championship things like that. He was on those Cavs teams. That's probably your best bet. Right. But I like right. Robert Williams too, because he's, he's been a game changer when he's been in the game this year, consistently a spark. So I don't know. It's, it's a really tough ask. I I'm going to stick with whoever's playing the best that day is your answer. Okay. So Joe Sway is back. Uh, he's, his building is safe. No fire alarms going off. Uh, so Joe right. Sway, Every I'm time good. we've got a first person, uh, first time guest on the show, we usually do uh, a nice end of show wrap up. We ask you a couple of questions about uh, your Celtics fandom career. Uh, so the first, the first question I usually ask is, what is your? Do you have a, a favorite piece of Celtics memorabilia you have? Whether it's a like a signed thing or a ticket stub or anything, and, and what's the story behind it? Oh man, that's a good question. Um. What do I have? I mean, I don't really have anything that too crazy. I, I mean, I, I guess like, you know, jerseys and all that. Uh, I had a Pierce bobblehead that I bought when I was a kid. Uh, it was one of those things where like I was so pumped up about the game that on the way out, I was like, I have to get something from the store. And I, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I think I was like, what, 16, 17? I must have been like a sophomore or junior in high school. And like with 20 bucks in my pocket, the only thing I could buy was like the small, the tiny, tiny, like bobblehead of Pierce. <laughs> but um, honestly, you know what though, what means the most to me, 
I mean, I don't know if it necessarily falls under this category, but I'm probably going to say it just because I've, I've kept it. Uh, a couple of media passes, my initial, uh, some of my, my first games that I attended. And uh, obviously those are special to me for personal reasons, but um, I would say what was so special about those first like five to 10 games were uh, the, the players that I met. And what I mean by that is some of the greatest players that ever played the game. Uh, Kevin Garnett, although he wasn't active, uh, was one of those guys uh, as a member of the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, his final year, 21 seasons, uh, he came back. That happened to be his final year, happened to be my first year uh, on the beat as a part-timer for WEI.com. And then uh, right before the new year, uh, Kobe Bryant played his very last game in Boston. Um, I can honestly say growing up, I um, not only, and I'm sure a lot of Celtics fans could say this growing up, or at least at my age, that, it wasn't even because of the Lakers. I, I, I mean, I think it was just more like, well, it was because of the Lakers and, and because of their dominance. But like, we just, I, I couldn't stand them. You know, I, I, I rooted for the Kings. I rooted for the Trailblazers. Like any team that came <laughs> close to knocking them off in the playoffs, I rooted for them because I just wanted them to see them disperse. And but it's interesting because as his career, pro, you know, continued, obviously the the, the rivalry sparked between the, you know the Lakers and Celtics. But like after all of that. I built this newfound level of respect for him because I saw his whole career play out. And I was like, man, this guy did it. This guy, you know, without Shaq said he was going to do it and then won more titles. You know, this guy, you know, took this team as far as he could, you know, and, and still wanted to keep playing more, you know, that those last few years of his career just to prove to himself that he could still do it. It wasn't about championships anymore. And, and I just, I started to just respect him for, for, for that and for his love and for his passion. And honestly, man, this is, like two or three years uh, ago, I would sometimes watch his interviews for like, as like motivation to, to, for, for things, for goals and things I wanted to achieve in my life. And it's, it's amazing because the, the sort of 180, so to speak, as that kid who watched Kobe Bryant uh, to this man today, and you know, the, all this respect that, that happened in between uh, all the years. And, and then um, for his passing, his passing last, this past January was, or, or this, wow, wow it's going to be almost a year. I can't believe it. Yeah. I, I, was, uh, I was thinking it, my head's crazy. Like, wow, it is almost a year. Yeah. I was going to say 10 months ago. I was like, Wait a minute. No, we're in January now. It's, it's wild. Um, so obviously that those media passes mean a lot, a whole lot more now. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say after he passed uh, last year, but yeah, I, I'll go, that's with, an that. awesome I'll go answer. with those, those yeah. media passes. I'll go with those. I'll follow up to that. This usually isn't something I ask, but I don't do keep you have every a- one of those, by the way. I don't want people to think, you know, I'm one of those guys who's like, oh, my God, you know, I have every media pass I ever. No, no, I don't keep all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the special ones and the ones on the road, I'll, I'll hold on to those. I'll, I'll keep them in my, uh, my laptop bag and they'll just stay there for as long as I feel like. <laughs> That's awesome. So let me follow up. You ever, you ever like geek out over any people that you've got to interview? Anything like that? I know it's you're not supposed to as like a professional. You know but, what? You man, know, I, Jack and I always feel like you know if we had that chance, we'd be like, oh my god, like this is really him, bro. No, <laughs> honestly, man, the only person was Kobe, man, and, and we weren't. It wasn't even a one on one. It was a scrum, and it's so funny because I. Like I'm, I was from day one. I'm never afraid to ask questions. So of course, you know, I'm like, man, I, I gotta have something for Kobe, man. Man, when I tell you, I butchered, stumbled my question to get it. My, oh my gosh, man! Like it was like the worst of the worst. Like Celtics beat writers. Everyone's been there, right? Because you know, you 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 have to jump in there. You don't know if you're next. You don't know if you'll ever ask a question. So once you have the floor and everyone's quiet, it's like, okay, here we go. You know, sometimes you stumble, but the way <laughs> again. A rookie, B 
beat <laughs> reporter, I don't know, game three of his life, the way Kobe would stare at you as you asked a question, man, it was like he was looking at your soul, man. Like, I, I'm kidding. Like, I know it sounds like a cliche, but, like, that's how intense he was. I believe and it. It, it, it's so I believe funny because I yeah. watched so many interviews of people talking about uh, that moment. And so many people said exactly what I've been saying. It's like, it's like nothing else. When he, when you have his undivided, his undivided attention, it's like, it's just you and him, like nothing else matters. And I felt that. And it's just funny, man. Like I watching it, I still cringe, you know, you hear me stumble it. And, and Kobe like actually starts helping me. He's like, uh, the city that means that's most emotional. Like it's pretty much what the question was, is Boston the most emotional city outside of Philly? Cause he kept saying, you know, the, the quote unquote Kobe tour, uh, that was the most emotional. So my question was, what I was trying to say was, is this the most emotional stop outside of Philly? But I wasn't saying it that way. He said it perfectly for me. And I'm like, yes, that, that's what I was trying to say, Kobe. That's it. <laughs> so, so I think that's the only one. Is Kobe. Did he say yes? He said yes, he did. He yeah. said, yeah, outside of Philly, he said Boston because, um, and, and of course, in, in classic Kobe fashion, uh, Boston hated him so much that it drove him to greatness. What a Kobe line, right? Jesus. Yeah. Like, what happened in game six to be blown out the way that to, to, to have pretty much a fourth quarter Boston party as they celebrated the championship, it was the most, like, gut-wrenching, heartbreaking moment of his, of his life, not just career, of his life. So, you know, coming back to Boston, reliving that, and, of course, you know, obviously getting the last laugh or whatever, so to speak, in, in 2010, all of that meant so much to him that, you know, he brought his daughters, he brought his family. He wanted his family to to soak in Boston and that love. And, and, and look what happens. You know, of course, they booed him, but he got a standing ovation during the player, uh, you know, player introductions. And then he said as soon as he touched the ball, as soon as he heard the boos, he was like, yes, now I'm home. Like, he, it made him happy. Like, I don't know. It's just it's 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 a testament to his his fight, you know, that heart, that drive, all that, man. I, I love it. You know, all that. It's, it always resonates with me. That that's pretty great. Um, okay, so <laughs> sorry, man. Next? I can go on and on about that stuff. Nope, no problem. <laughs> you you do what you. This is this is why we ask. So let's see. Next is, do you have a favorite? I think I think we usually go in person first. Do Do you have a favorite game you've been at? I mean, you're in the media, so you get to go to a lot more games than the average person. But do you have any favorite game or moment you've gotten to be in the garden or somewhere else for the garden or you know wherever? Yeah, um, yeah, man, I got, I have two, all right, two that I have, I, I don't want to leave the other one out, so I'm going to mention both. Go ahead. Uh, this one I might have to give the edge to because of uh, the, what happened to him before, and, and that's Isaiah Thomas scoring, you know, 53 on the, uh, on the Wizards, uh, just incredible, um, performance, he's just lost his sister, uh, the, the crowd, like, playoff game, like, that atmosphere, it was just everything about why we do what we do honestly uh you report on an amazing game there's an incredible backdrop to that game leading into it and then the center piece of that story has the greatest game of his life like it's just that's what it's about you know i I mean like telling a story about something you know telling a story about the game from an angle that's really unique i I guess is what i'm trying to say you know so I, i think that just I'm going to say that one for sure. And then another one, just because of the, the crazy turn of events and I was on the road and, and these guys dropped confetti, the confetti <laughs> game, man. Philly fans are the worst, man. When I tell you, well, at least from the cities that I've been to, I, I've, I've covered the Celtics on the road at least, at least six take. or <laughs> at least six or seven cities I've been to on the road. 
and Philly, it's by a mile, man. Those guys, and it's, it's passion, you know. Obviously, we we can we can relate to that here in Boston, but of course, to see them go off, and, and I'm telling you, bro, like I, I, my 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 coworker Nick Gelso of CLS Media can attest to this. I looked to him, and I'm like. His foot was on the line. There's no way that was a three-pointer. He's like, are you sure? I go, bro, I saw it with my own eyes. I don't need, I don't need to see a replay because, you know, they took a while to show the replay. And then they show the replay, and, then, and everyone's like, yo, you're right, you're right, you're right. So then I'm like, okay, they have to get this one. They're not going to mess this one up. But then I'm like, wow, look at everyone celebrating. <laughs> and then they get on the PA, and they announce it. And then Celtics, you know, you know the rest. Celtics came back and won in overtime. Yeah, I, that one's up there too as well. <laughs> that, that was a special. Oh, man. I can't yeah. imagine if that happened here. I, I guess that's why you just don't drop confetti. No, right. Exactly. They don't like, do that, that here. <laughs> like, that's what you get for dropping confetti after winning a playoff game. Like, that's what you get. <laughs> Seriously. And I hope they don't still do that or will do it whenever the fans get, get back to the arena. But, yeah, man. I mean, 3-1 lead. The Celtics were heavily – I mean, the Sixers were heavily favored against the Celtics. I remember that, series. yeah. And I'm like, yep. This is what, you know, I, I had the Celtics winning that series, and people in the, in the media room looked at me like I was crazy, man. I was just kind of like, I don't know. I was kind of like, all right, all right, I'm just going to, you'll see. <laughs> and, you know, of course, Celtics won in five games, so that was, that was incredible. So the next one is, it's similar. It's Do you have a favorite memory regarding the Celtics? can be from any time, just not a championship, so like any moment. A lot of people will say the Isaiah game that you said, uh, the Marcus Smart double charges is another mm. one we get a lot. Yeah, Anything like that. that um, besides the championship, you know what? I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say Pierce's retirement ceremony, number, uh, retirement ceremony. Oh, that's um, a good one. Yeah, man. That was such a good, cause I, I didn't, I didn't see, uh, those emotions coming. I didn't see them coming. I don't know. I know that sounds stupid to say, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think once like, I always tell people, right, because people are always like, especially in the very beginning when I, when I started covering the Celtics for WEI, and people would be like, oh, man, you know, you, you must be so pumped. You're such a big fan. I'm just like, God, honestly, man, like, yeah, it's great, you know, for, you know, for my career, and, and I'm pumped about it, but, like, can we stop with this fan thing? Like, And, and like, I, I'm not kidding, guys. Like, seriously, like, yeah, you know, you want the Celtics to do well and all that, you know, for me personally, but when they traded Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, like, that day, like, things changed for me significantly. <laughs> like, I can't, like... Maybe, um, maybe some Celtics fans can can, or or at least maybe some uh, beat writers that grew up in Boston. There you go. That's the best way to work. Beat writers that grew up in Boston could attest to this, but like, there was sort of like a separation there. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with, with the fact that I watched these guys, and then I was still I was a teenager. You know, like that love is gonna stay there until it's not there anymore. So I think that sort of uh, helped me sort of separate. Uh, you know, being a fan to to being a reporter. Whereas, you know, I'm more like, oh my gosh, that's, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know, compared to, oh, hey, what's up, Steph Curry? Or what's up, LeBron? Like, I'm just not, I don't get starstruck or I don't feel like, oh, wow, that's so-and-so. Like, I just, I don't know. It's just different, I guess. And I think that's the best way to explain it because I watched those guys as a teenager as opposed to, you know, maybe LeBron's a bad example, but, you know, Steph Curry or other guys where I was a bit older when I watched them, you know, first started playing. But, um yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I guess, yeah, I'll say the retirement because when that was unfolding, I started thinking about how many games I went to as a kid, how many times I saw Paul Pierce play. And I got a little bit of this the first, the last game he played, you know, I remember the Clippers, but 
I think just seeing that number go up, just I sort of just relive so many countless memories of, you know, screaming at the top of my lungs, like, you know, um, going to see Pierce before KG, before Ray. That was the main attraction, you know? You go to see Pierce, and shit, I, I can still remember telling you, I can still remember how it felt to see uh, a Celtics game where Pierce wasn't playing. I had never been to a game where Pierce wasn't playing. And I remember the first time one of those uh, 2013 teams uh, games where I, it was the first time I went in there and I'm just like, yeah, this is different. I don't think it'll ever be the same. So, you know, in a long-winded answer, that that's the biggest reason why um, I would say that that night or uh, um, being in that, that moment meant so much to me because I, I think I, it just made me realize how special those years were watching Pierce, how um, different it was seeing him leave, you know, and still watching the Celtics. I guess the best way to say it is the the progression I I made I guess from Celtics fan turned media member. So <laughs> really, uh, you realize you kind of came the long from road circle. I came from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It was it was a little bit of that. It all came full circle. It's like man, <laughs> the kid, the 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 player that that got your attention to start watching this game because I was a Celtics fan before an NBA fan. Like my my, my dad would be like, oh, you like basketball? Well, you gotta watch the Celtics. Like, dad, this team sucks. It doesn't matter. They're yours, so you have to watch them. <laughs> that was the rule around the house, and um, I was like, "Yeah, this team sucks, but that, hey, that, that that Paul guy, he's pretty good. I like him." And that was his rookie year, and he's the only player I can say I, I, I literally watched his entire Celtics career. So it's pretty cool. I'm I'm jealous. I really wanted to go to that game, but it was so expensive. I Girl, remember like I, I entered like a sweepstakes, you, uh, sweepstakes to try and like win. Like That's I the was most like expensive ticket I ever heard of, man. Besides the finals, it was crazy. Yeah, but I was lucky. My parents got me tickets for my birthday the year before to go to the Clippers one, and oh, that was that something was else. I still have up. like the headband they gave out. I yeah, have yeah. The poster, <laughs> like the the game flyers that they give out. Yes, yes. I'm di- I'm dying laughing because uh, I got a ticket for my pops for that one. I was like, Dad, you got to watch this one, man. Dad, my, my my dad, like as I got older, he every once in a while, but he's always like, I just watch it at home. I'm like, Nah, man, you can't miss this one. So I, I'm laughing because soon as you said headband. I just pictured the. Uh, I just thought of the picture of him and my dad, uh, him and my brother. My brother went as well, uh, wearing wearing the headband. It was just funny seeing the headband on my dad. <laughs> but, yeah. but he was so he was so fanboy that day that I was like, man, like this is. I, I don't think I've ever seen you like this at the Garden. He was just more like, man, I can't believe it. He made the the, the last shot. I'll never see him again. But I'm here and I saw it, so I'm happy about it. So it was it was a cool moment. All right, Jack, you you take it away with the final question, then we can wrap it up. Yes, sir. So my question, Sam always gives this one to me because I have a, a bit of an obsession, I suppose you could say. Um, do you have a favorite Celtics jersey? Um, you know what, man? I'm going to say this. Uh, you know, it's easy to go Pierce because I have a, a, a handful of those. But I'm going to go with this one because when it came out, it was brand new. And I was a big fan of the player. And you know what? I'm still rooting for him today, even though he's not uh, on the basketball court. I'm rooting for him uh, for the, for his personal life. And that's uh, that's Delonte West. Um, do you remember the, the, when the when the green alternatives came out, like the first, the green and black ones? I was yeah. Like, yes, I, I love those. those. I was like, yo, these are fire. So I, I had to get one, but I was like, man, you always get peers. Get somebody different. Get someone that you know people will be surprised. And, and I got Delonte, and it was it was uh, it's pretty cool because at that time it was uh, his first stint. And then when he came back to play with you know Pierce Garnett and them, I was like, oh, dusting this guy off. <laughs> Got to wear the jersey, you know, wear the jersey once again. You know, that was pretty cool. And um, you know, to to you know, fast forward today, um, when I've read what Mark Cuban did to help mm-hmm. this guy, that man, that Mark Cuban just continues to impress me as I get older. You know, 
we all know his story and, and I learned it as a kid, but to see how he's so involved and how he truly cares about this community, it's, it's remarkable. And he didn't have to do that, obviously. And he, the extent that he went to, to help, uh, you know, one of his fallen guys, I guess, so to speak, is the, it's a good way to put it. You know, someone who played for the Mavericks, but of course, someone he cared about personally, not just for who he was as a player. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with that one and, and, and shout out to Delonte, man. Hopefully, uh, you know, there's the, the, the the, the, the fight continues and, and hopefully he's, everything's all right. He's, he's, he's staying on the right path. No. Yeah, for sure. Mark Cuban's a legend. He does. He does so much for everybody. Oh man. <laughs> I, I, that, that's someone, that's someone I got to like start reading up on, on his books. You know, yeah. I, I need to read like a, a, a Mark, Mark Cuban, Cuban memoir. You know, that, <laughs> I think that's what's Cause, cause you know, that, you know, he's got so many hidden gems and so many relationships with, with people that, across the world and that, you know, it, it, it would be interesting to, to to hear his his stories, you know, his crazy stories and how he got to be who he is. Oh no, yeah, he he's just a legend. But um, with that, Seriously. I think I think that just about wraps up our show. So we really appreciate you coming on. This was a blast. Uh, fire alarm and all, super fun, <laughs> super fun <laughs> show. Um, but yeah, is, is there anything you wanted to say before we start to wrap up here? Obviously, everybody should go uh, follow Josue on Twitter. J O E underscore sway S W A Y is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, I was trying to go like this like phonetic thing so people say my name right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just completely completely backfired. Completely backfired. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's my that's me on Twitter, and, and I think I'm 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 so far into it. I'm just like I'm, I'm not gonna change it now. Screw it. Oh no, yeah, you got <laughs> keep it up at this point. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, a uh, huge thank you to Joe Sway for joining us today. You guys can follow us at Bannertown USA on Twitter. Uh, this was a blast. I always love having uh, you guys in the pod, and Josue was awesome. So with that, Sam, wrap us up. Yeah, uh, big thanks to Josue for coming on. Great energy, a good time today. Two different sessions, can't go wrong. Um, <laughs> follow follow Josue, follow Jack, follow Bannertown, follow me at Sam LaFrance NBA, and uh, that's our show for today. See you later.